If you're visiting with us today, we are dealing with the single most favorite topic that Christians like to hear. Giving. Because Christians love that. It's their foremost in the, what they want to hear taught. And uh, we're setting the stage. I have been about seven weeks laying a foundation so that you see where wealth and money comes from. That it was created by God and it was created for God. And we use that money to... Um, it can actually be used as a barometer to see your spiritual character and or lack of it. Let me read to these first four verses and then we're going to hit this thing running. Chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, and we will not spend any time there today at all. <laughs> now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God, which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. That in a great ordeal of affliction, the abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation in the support of the saints. That's what we're looking at. I've been looking at this in, in a biblical Pretext actually have gone from Genesis to Third John, so I've covered a little bit of ground, uh, and I want us to think about it because when I think about what we do with our money, is a heart attitude. Okay, and I've seen this around for a long time, and even as David had read this morning from the book of Amos, I want to go back there because I can show you a heart attitude. Let me explain to you what's going on in Israel. It's a divided kingdom. You've got the southern two tribes and the ten tribes of Israel that are up north. And, but they are at a time of peace. They're a time of prosperity and political um, easiness. The Assyrians were their only enemy. And a guy named Jonah had gone into Nineveh and told him to repent or God was going to judge him. And guess what the Assyrians did? They repented. And so there was peace in Israel. There was prosperity in Israel. And it all looked well. But in Amos 5.11, here's what the prophet of God says. Therefore, because you impose heavy rent on the poor and extract a tribute of grain from them, Though you have built houses of well-hewn stones, yet you will not live in them. You have planted pleasant vineyards, and you will not drink their wine. I know your transgressions are many, and your sins are great. You who distress the righteous and accept brides and turn aside the poor in the gate. What happens with their heart attitude? Everything is well, and all of a sudden you will start seeing false worship, and you will start seeing injustice. If you want to see God judge somebody, see God judge a nation, let injustice rise. He will not tolerate that. So the issue here is not the fact that the Jews had beautiful homes. That is not the issue. The issue is how you handle this wealth. What is your attitude toward your wealth? Listen, everybody in this room is wealthy. Okay. Now you may not have all you want or think you want, 
but you are wealthy. I have traveled around the world and I have seen poverty. All right. I have been in countries where there are no restaurants. All right. If you're going to eat, you have to go to a market, gather what you want, take it home and fix it. That's the only way you're going to eat. You don't go into McDonald's. You're not going to go to Applebee's. There ain't no Chinese place down around the corner. Chapter 3 of Amos, verses 14 and 15. For on the day that I punish Israel's transgressions, I will also punish the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut off and they will fall to the ground. I will also smite the winter house together with the summer house. The houses of ivory will also perish. And the great houses will come to an end, declares the Lord. Okay. Why is he going to destroy everything? It's easy. Chapter 4, verse 1. Hear the word, you cows of Bashai. You are on the mountain of Samaria, who oppress the poor and crush the needy. Who say to your husbands, bring now that we may drink. What were they doing? That's funny when you can call the women of Israel, what? Call them cows. Listen. (laughs) They were oppressing the poor. The proverbial living high on the hog. Bunch of cows. And if you think about it, and I'm not trying to start a fight or anything, but... To the women is not the preciousness of the home. Oh, listen, men live in a box. You know, I, I remember when I was a bachelor that I would have piles of dishes in my sink until I didn't have no more dishes in the cupboard. And I thought well, I should probably do dishes. It wasn't a concern for me. And you guys can sit and say, but if any of you guys live by yourself, don't you do that? Then you find yourself doing what? What can I buy that has a throwaway container? (laughs) I'll eat it out of the container and then I don't even have to ever do dishes. The women always want you to make up the bed. The men say, I'm going to get back into it later. Right? So when it comes to the issues of the house, it is always foremost on the mind of the women. That's why he has here... You crush the needy, you oppress the poor, and you tell your husbands, just bring the drink. They have no compassion. Go over to chapter 6, verse 4. Those who recline on beds of ivory and sprawl on their couches and eat the lambs of the flock and the calves of the midst of the stall, who improvise the sound on the harp, and like David, have compromised songs for themselves, who drink wide from sacrificial bowls, and what anoint themselves with the finest oils, yet they do not grieve over the ruin of Joseph. Therefore, they will, will now go into exile at the head of the exiles. The sprawlers banqueting will pass away. See that? Why? Living fat and sassy. And then it becomes a hard attitude. Okay? See, I want you to understand something. The problem 
that arises with money is that becomes our hope and it will become the thing that you and I worship. All right. And once you cross that line, you will find that you are no longer thankful to God. You have arrived. Look at what I have accomplished. And you know what that got Nebuchadnezzar, right? He got to go graze. All right. So when I look at this, and I've laid this all out over the last seven weeks or so, that you have a morality of money, and I can tell you biblically, money has no morality to it. It is the morality of the individual and what they use it for is the moral problem. Then the love of money is the root of all kinds of troubles and transgressions. And we don't love it. I use it. It's a tool. It's a tool. The acquiring of money. I showed you how to do that. How does the Bible say I am to acquire money? Okay. But you will always inevitably hear, or it may be going through your mind and you're in church today and aren't brave enough to say it. I never seem to have enough. Right? I remember uh, when I was in the construction business that uh, you work seven days a week, 12 hours a day, all summer long because you knew the snow was coming. And when you were running your own business, you didn't get snow days. If you didn't work, you didn't make any money. And you stockpiled money. Spring, summer, and fall. So that when winter came and work came to a screeching halt, you had it ready. Okay, but I want you to think about it. When you think, you know, some of you may be sitting there saying, well, the pastor says I'm wealthy, but he don't understand. You know, I'm living, I read, read an article in the was it, Wall Street Journal that said 78% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. Okay? This is the richest country on the planet. This is the richest country that the world has ever seen. And we're living paycheck to paycheck? Well, let me give you six things. Today's going to be a list of days. I'm going to give you things, numbers of things to think about. If you think you don't have enough money, or I just never seem to have enough, I got six things here I want you to think about. Okay? First, (laughs) are you stingy? Are you? You don't have because you didn't give enough of it away. Are you squeezing your hand so tight that you're losing the greatest investment that there is? Let me give you some Bible verses so that you don't think I'm just making this stuff up. Chapter 11 of Proverbs 24. 11, 24. There is one who scatters... And yet increases all the more. And there is one who withholds what is justly due. And yet it results in only want. To put it in the way that the Lord says. 
chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour it into your lap, a good measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. You know what that means? God pays back. God pays back. And he he just takes care of it. And you know what? We all say we believe the Bible. Really? You believe that text? Do you believe you can outgive God? Do you believe he will not take care of you? See, if you're selfish, stingy, that means you fail to trust in God. And even 2 Corinthians 9 says God gives back. And you know, everybody says, well, but that's the spiritual stuff. No, it ain't. It's everything. Spiritual and temporal. Physical. So the first one, are you stingy? Evaluate yourself. If you don't have enough money, question number one, are you stingy? Two, do you lack patience? Um, Again, back to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage. But everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. See, we have a mentality in this country today that I see something, I want something, I buy something. And it usually takes place in about that fast. Okay? And you know what I've learned? You have to train yourself. You may want something and you may see something, but wait. But wait. Listen, never buy anything at the time you see and want it. It's, it's, they tell you, don't go hungry to the grocery store. Okay? Because you know what? In our society right now, we have appeals all around. And they are unrelenting. And there's, listen, I've already taught you. I've showed you what God says. He wants you to have abundance. He wants you to enjoy it. But He wants you to be grateful. And He wants you to plan as you go. And you know what? We cruise around this country and we got catalogs. We got internet stuff that we can shop with. We we don't even have to get out of our pajamas and can spend a fortune. When I see something and it looks like it's a blessing, I seek the Lord. I talk to others. And I get advice. That gives the impulse time to go away. And then I can evaluate. Is this a want or a need? Don't be hasty. Listen, marketing, our advertising community is based on impulse and hastiness. That's what sells it. You will spend 80% more if you go to a department store and buy on a credit card. Why? It's impulse. 
You just happen to see one. You know, I, I don't go to a store to shop. I've already done my shopping. I go to get one. All right. I remember when the, the Walmart first opened here in Castle Rock, I couldn't get in and out of there under 50 bucks. And I was usually going in to buy one thing. And you just cruise around and you go, oh, look, I ain't got one of those either. And then next, you come walking out of there and you just drop 50 bucks. Okay? And, you know, I was only going to get a pair of socks. But that's what we do. So I, I, now you may have already accomplished this. I had to train myself that when I walk in there, uh, you know, I buy uh, my notepads and pens and stuff like that. I know right where they are. Well, they did move them on me. And that's, I'm going to talk to somebody about that. But uh, I go straight in, straight down that aisle, get my notepads and my pens, and I walk straight out. I don't look around. I don't say, hey, nice swimming truck. Hey, look, they've got something in sporting goods. Oh, oh, look, a new bicycle. Oh, no, I don't do it. Straight out. Okay. I don't buy impulsive. Don't do it. If you're trying to figure out why you don't have money, are you stingy? Are you hasty? Listen, we have short attention spans. Flash something in front of my face. Oh, yeah, I think I want one of those. Why? I don't know. We are impulsive. We buy on our emotions. Our emotions grab it and boom, you bought it. You get over being impatient. You know what? That's why there is such huge debt in this country. And I'm talking on individual. I'm not talking about the government. I'm talking about individual people. Why? Well, I've got this little card that says, you know, and we always say it. Well, I'll pay it off in 30 days. 120 days later. Okay. Third thing is a lack of discipline. Okay. Comes out of the book of Proverbs 2, chapter 13, verse 18. 13, 18. Poverty and shame will come to him who neglects discipline. Got it? They want to live our life our way. Okay, order your life. Be responsible. Listen, I know people who are in debt and they just keep getting more and more in debt because they want another one and it's just basically a lack of discipline. I've never seen anything like it. You know, um, they make hasty purchases and they go and make more hasty purchases. And then they can't understand why they don't ever have enough money. Because they never set priorities. You have to set priorities. You know, when I was in high school, they taught us how to make a budget. That is such an abstract thing to Americans today. A budget? A budget. Why would I want a budget? I have visa. And that's what we do. Listen, if you see our financial positions are desperate for some discipline. 
Or if you don't think so, poverty and shame will come to you. It's not because you're not a nice person. It's not because you mean well. It's not because you're not from a happy home. It's not because you're involved in church. You're just irresponsible with money. And I have watched that destroy more homes, more marriages, and more ministries than anything I can think of. All right. Fourth thing. Laziness. (laughs) Proverbs 20, verse 13. Do not love sleep or you will become poor. Beats around the bush, doesn't he? (laughs) Listen, you want the first key to a successful life? Get out of bed. Get out of bed. And you know what? I would argue earlier the better. Earlier the better. Proverbs 23, verse 21. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty and drowsiness will clothe one in rags. If you're a sleepyhead, wear rags. You refuse to work. Be lazy. Fifthly, indulgence. Uh, I just touched on that there in 21. The heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. Proverbs is a lot of times speaks of the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty. Did you know that 90% of the homeless people have alcohol and drug problems? I believe the Bible might be true. You also know that you can eat your way to poverty. If you're listening to the uh, political pundits these days, they're always talking about printing money and it should be saved because there is no inflation. Inflation is basically flatline. We don't really have any inflation. So everything's going well. Really? You know what's amazing about the number that we get for inflation? It never includes food or gasoline. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but I've watched the price of food, and I bet you, all of you can say, you know, gas has kind of gone up, hasn't it? But see, that has never factored into inflation. Never has been. So do you see how easy it is for you to eat yourself to poverty? Think about how, do you know how much it costs for you to eat out at Applebee's versus if you cooked it at your house? You know, it's 65% cheaper to cook it at your house. That's the average. That's the average. And yet, like I shared with you, I have been in countries, they don't have restaurants. You can't eat out. You ain't going nowhere to eat out. See, if you eat out all the time, you spend a lot of money. And you know what you're doing? Eating money. Now listen, I've already taught on this. Go back and get it offline. There's nothing wrong with doing it. As long as it's not your master. And as long as you are thankful. 
Another way that you need to evaluate yourself is Proverbs 28, 19. 28, 19. I call it craftiness. What I mean by that is uh, these schemes to get rich quick. And they are all over the place. 28.19 says, He who tills his land will have plenty of food. You know what that means, right? Work. Okay? But he who follows empty pursuits will have poverty and plenty. (laughs) Oh, sorry. (laughs) I think that's funny. (laughs) Plenty of poverty? Is that what he means? No, it means that you'll have poverty when everybody else has plenty. Why? Because you thought you could chase the wind. I call these con men's. They're very intellectual. They have great skills and clever. But they're always chasing the wind. They're never going to accomplish them. So if you believe you do not have enough money, ask yourself, are you stingy? Are you impulsive? Are you reckless? Are you undisciplined? And are you lazy? God wants us to have money. He wants us to enjoy the riches of this creation. But he also wants us to be available for his use. Which brings me to what I wanted to talk, the last one of a biblical view of money, is the use of money. What are we to do with our money? Okay. Again, I have another list. Number one. Provide for your own needs. And your household's needs. When you write that down, underline the word needs. Remember, the biblical precedent is very simple. You don't work, you don't eat. I mean, you. there you go. It's that simple. And you start first and foremost with your needs, self. And if anybody doesn't provide for his own, especially for those in the household, he has denied the faith and he's worse than an unbeliever, Paul told the Thessalonians. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. Meet their needs. Meet their needs. Okay, so number one, provide for yourself and your family and their needs. Two, This one here will just really make you all happy and grinny all over. Pay off your debts. If you owe, pay it off. Listen, there are things out there that you can get in debt form that are long term that you can't help. Okay, you cannot live around here without a car. Okay, but I don't know... Some of the cars that I see out there, you want me to pay what? I know a guy right now who bought a 1969 Dodge Dart. The only year Dodge put a Hemi in a Dart. Okay? And when he starts this motor up, it changes the beat of your heart. Okay? It's a 1969 Dodge Dart. Okay, did you get that? It's a 1969. It's 2014. It's a Hemi. It gets like feet per gallon. Okay, now it's got really fast feet. Okay, 
He paid $92,000 for it. Makes you wish you had one to sell him, doesn't it? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm a Mopar guy. It's a nice car. There ain't ever been a car that's $92,000 nice. That's nuts. Pay off your debts. God through Elijah speaking to the widow woman in 2 Kings verse chapter 4 verse 7 said, sell your oil and pay off your debts. You know what he's saying there? If you're in debt, sell your assets to pay off your debts. Owe a debt if you have to. Sell your assets to pay that debt. There are things you go in debt for. Listen, if you buy a house, well, I don't know about now, but if you have bought a house in the past, you're probably going to get more money out of it. So it's not going to depreciate. But if you look at some of the things that we spend high dollar interest rates and long-term debt on, and they only depreciate, that's foolish. Absolutely foolish. Get rid of your debt. Romans fourteen fifteen says, Oh, only but love. If you have contracted with someone, pay it. Get the debt over. And if you have to, sell assets to pay off the debt. If the debt is overdue, then you are mandated to sell your assets. To pay off the debt. Owe something. You know, I see people who are in debt and they go and spend more money on something else. Pay off the first one. Then there's nothing wrong. Go get you something else. He doesn't say, I want you to take a vow of poverty and own no earthly possessions. That is not what he says. The Bible says, I want you to have an abundance. If you owe something, then go pay it off. And if you want to get something after that, go ahead. Listen, once you have your needs met, once you've paid off your debt, okay, now you want to save for the future. What I mean by that is I want money left over after my expenses are taken care of, and then I can put that into savings. Listen, we have a bad habit of saying, okay, anything that I haven't spent on electricity or gas or sewer or car payments or insurance or house payments or rent, I'm going to use that for my entertainment. And so I go spend my entertainment dollar. Why don't you save it? It's been a long time since I can tell you I've honestly seen a movie that I think is worth five bucks. And they tell me that you can't see a movie for five bucks now. So that's how long ago that's been. There's just not that much out there. And the truth of the matter is, if you wait six months, it's on TV. You can enjoy it. And you can be ready to give to those who are in need. Okay, so you've got that. You got that down, right? Some of you do, some of you don't. 
All right. Once you have met your needs, paid off your debts, and now you can start saving. Now you're ready to give. Okay. Because now your heart is ready. That is the position to be in. Where you want to get, that's where I want you to get to. I don't want to sit up here and have to beg you for things. We want everybody to be at a place where they are free to give. Okay? When the need comes, boom, I'm ready. I'm ready. So when the bride of Christ has a need, you can give as the Macedonian church liberally. I can just write. Yeah, no problem. You can reach the world. You know what? I think about this in in our church. You guys gave $1,600 above and beyond the budget to help the kids at Orel. Okay? And I don't know what you'll give today. All right? That's pretty amazing for as small as we are. But you know what? I believe God can do exceedingly abundantly beyond what we can think or imagine. I would like, last year we got 50 stars for Emmanuel's child. I've already ordered 100 for this year. 20 bucks a star. If you're smart, start saving now. Okay, so that you can give liberally. Okay, I would like to see liberal giving today for the last offering for the Orel kids. All right. But I would like to see a deacon's fund. I would like to see a pool of money that the church has access to, that if the deacons needed it to help a family, to provide a need, or something happens, they could just get that fund, and they could take it anytime they wanted. You don't have to have a special offering. We don't have to have a stewardship drive. We don't have to do that. The money's just sitting there. Just sitting there. And the deacons say, hey, we've got this need. This family needs this, or they need that. Then they could just go to that fund and get it right immediately. See, I would like to see each and every one of us in a place that is free to do that. That is free to do that. To give faithfully and regularly to the life of the church and then sometimes more as God brings it across our paths. Okay? Now you guys can think I'm crazy, but you know that I've got a whole stack of Bible verses to back this up. Just be warned. It's not like I came up with this bread idea. Listen, your giving is extremely important part of your life. Okay? First John 3, if you see someone who has a need and you are close to them, are you really a Christian? How does the love of God dwell in you? That's pretty strong. That's pretty strong. Book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 45. Speaking of the birth of the church, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all of those who had believed were together and had things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone 
might have need. Chapter 4, 34 and 35. There was not a needy person among them. For all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles' feet and they would be distributed to each as any had need. Okay, now I want you to show you something here because you get a contrast. Watch this. Now, Joseph, a Levite, Scythian birth, also named Barnabas by the apostles, which translated means son of encouragement. He owned a track of land. He sold it and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay? Cool. He had a track of land. He sold it, brought it in, told the apostles, use it whatever is needed. But a man named Ananias and his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and they kept back some of the price for himself. With his wife's full knowledge and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. Peter said, Ananias... Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? See the difference? It wasn't the fact that he just gave part of it. It was the fact that he lied about it. And you know what is amazing? As they were doing this, it says none lacked. And they set it to the apostles' feet and they gave it as it was needed. Why? A transformed life, one of the first things you will see in a transformed life is generosity. They're very generous. Because they understand that they're a pilgrim. They're just passing through. And they don't put a lot of stock in what I have here. You know what? I hate to tell you this. It is a little different from the mentality of our society. Just a little. And you know what? It is a little different in the mentality of some in the church. That ain't generous. You know, I was talking about in Sunday school this morning. If God created the wealth and God gave us the ability to bring in the wealth and to multiply the wealth, whose is it? It's God's. So when I hear people say, well, do you tithe? It's kind of silly. He gave it to me, so I'll only give him 10%. No, you give him what he needs. Because one of the things that I have watched in my life is he can stretch a dollar or he can shrink a dollar. And if you think you're going to hold on to it, (laughs) better have tried. When people in the early church had a need, People would sell their belongings, their houses, and their lands to meet the needs. Linsky said they were consumed with life in the kingdom. One of the things that I noticed when I was in Russia, that's the focus of their life, is the church. I never seen anything like it. I remember one morning, they had snow Well, when you walk through the sidewalk around to the front door of the church, you felt like you were in a trench. And it was on both sides. I mean, they had piles of snow and you could kind of do one of these things. Wow, there's people over there. And I remember that it was cold. I don't want to. I'm not trying. It was cold. And I only had about 60 yards to walk. And I was froze when I got there. 
You know what amazed me? That church was packed. Probably a thousand people. And you know what was really amazing? Not one car in the parking lot. Everybody walked. And it, it, Josh understands this. It's far north that in that time of the year, the sun doesn't really ever come up. It sort of just teases you. You sort of see it go around the horizon and duck again. You're like, well, that was depressing. You just, I think it just winked at me. And it's cold and these people were walking because their life was the church. All of us who know Jesus Christ have a stewardship of money. We are entrusted with wealth and it's all his. We must use it for his glory. Part of the reason that he gives it to us is to take care of our needs, take care of the needs of our family and make sure that we are prepared for anything that comes up in the future. He wants us to enjoy this created world. He wants to bring each of us into a position to give and to be able to give generously. So, we all believe that the Bible is the inerrant, authoritative Word of God. Correct? Amen. We all believe that. That's good. Because I have another verse for you. It comes from the Gospel of Luke. Chapter 16, verse 10 and following. This is our Lord. Some of you may have a red letter Bible. This would be red letter. Right? That makes it more important, doesn't it? <laughs> verse 11. Therefore, if you have not been faithful with the use, use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful with in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? That's a perplexing text. If you don't know how to handle money, why would God give you true riches? Okay, there's only one thing that you can invest in that is eternal. People, souls, that's it. It's the only thing that's eternal. That's the real riches. And in that text, God says, why would I trust you with people's souls when you can't handle money? If we, you, don't know how to handle money, why would you get people? It's a perplexing text. The extent of your spiritual influence is controlled by God. Right? And that is controlled by some degree how you handle money. Now, I know it appears some scandals in handling of money seem to have had massive influences. But if you really look at the falls, after the falls of the scandal, there is no influence left. 
And I don't care if you want Jim and Tammy or Jimmy or Ted or whoever else you want to do. And they all wander back into the ministry. If you go look at it, they ain't got no influence. And everybody said, well, they got TV programs. They're paying for it. I can get a TV program. You guys going to pay for it? I mean, everybody can get on TV. I can get a radio program right now. Show me the money. Okay? Now listen, I am not sure of fleshing that out with the sovereignty of God, um, except for this text. There are many in the church who want their ears tickled. And they will heap to themselves teachers. Okay, which means there's a lot of them willing to do it for the cash. It seems that God is saying he doesn't trust eternal souls into your care if you don't show the ability to deal with money. I do believe the way you and I handle our money is the best barometer of our spiritual character. Perhaps you've asked yourself before, I don't know why I'm not having an impact for the Lord and I'm not seeing much fruit. Perhaps you should go through the register of your checkbook. See what your priority is. Look at your money. How are you handling it? Are you a steward? Are you meeting your needs? Those of your family. Have you paid off your debt? And are you saving so you have a cushion for future? Listen, many of the false will prosper. Balaam prospered. They need the problem with the false who are prospering. They're not saving it because the bill is coming due. A true servant, truly fruitful, God gives to those who are true stewards. Are you a steward of God's wealth that God has given you? Listen, and I'm not talking, well, I'm not a millionaire yet, so I can't be a good steward. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. Are you a good steward of what he's given you? It's a barometer. How we handle it is critical. And it brings all the issues of giving money, understanding that it's all God's. 100% of every penny is His. And we get to glorify Him by how we use that money. Okay, If giving isn't important, then why does 2 Corinthians have two chapters dealing with it? Jesus taught more on money than any topic. It's important. All right, one last list. Four things. I have four things that you're going to need to do to get ready to give. Okay? Didn't know I could make this many lists in one message, did you? It's a miracle. One. Transfer the ownership of your money to God. Transfer the ownership of your money to God. What I mean by that, he has total control 
of his money. Okay? That means he has total control of your heart. God, I give you all of it, and may it all be used for your glory. Number one, ownership of your money to God. Number two, make the goal and the purpose of your life to advance the kingdom and live for that. There are times I'll be sitting in a crowd of people and everybody's talking and they're talking about everything. And they say, well, you're not saying anything. Well, you're not talking about anything eternal. I'm, I'm not really a chatty person to start with, but if you want to get me talking, let's step into the eternals. And I'll talk. All right. Make the goal and purpose of your life to advance the kingdom and live to that. Thirdly, live in such a way that you can respond to the Lord's direction. I.e., get out of debt. Quit spending more than you're taking in. Don't live with the maximum of your income um, going out. Listen, this is so simple. You know, and I've listened. There's guys written books and have seminars and this, that, and the other. You don't have to do that. Okay? Here's how easy this is. Inventory your expenses and in the order of importance. That's not complicated. Uh, you have to have insurance on your car. You have to have insurance on your home. You have your rent or whatever it is you're, you're buying, selling. All right. You have gas that you use. Um, groceries. All right. We got it down. Now inventory that. Some of these, the electric company gets cranky if you don't send them some money. I mean, you know, I remember a friend of mine used to have his electricity shut off all summer. And he lived in coolers, burned candles at night, and kept all of his food cold in coolers. And then he'd turn it back on when he needed heat in the winter. And at the time, I thought, that is stupid. But then I thought about it, and I thought, do you know how much money he's saving? <laughs> Inventory your expenses in the order of importance. Okay. And then once you understand the priority of your needs, then you'll start seeing your non-essentials. Okay, your non-essentials are the things that will try to hook you and make you buy impulsively. Okay, and if I have to get out of debt, sell assets. Sell assets. Pay off the debt. And... Once you get into that position, try this. It's really kind of amazing. Buy on cash. It's a strange concept, I know. But try it. When you get ready to spend on cash, you know exactly what you can spend. And not, I've got $20,000 credit line on this credit card, what are you going to buy for $20,000 at 18%? 
Okay. When you get ready to spend on non-essentials, ask yourself a question before you buy anything. How does it advance the kingdom? And you know what? Sometimes be a little patient and give God the ability to provide it through possibly a gift. You ever thought about that? I mean, it's an interesting concept. It is just a fascinating concept. The other day, Father's Day, we had a barbecue and all the meat was provided. We didn't have to spend one nickel for meat. It was provided. It was a gift. And you're like, wow, that's cool. Okay. Listen, don't borrow for items that depreciate. Okay. Know your needs and know your wants and discern. Okay. You know what else? I guess a little footnote I would stick on that one. Number three is, can you develop some kind of contentment? I mean, that is a, a bizarre thought in our day and age. It's sort of like buying on it with cash. But can you be content? I mean, we get a new car and then the new car smell is gone and it's just old car and gosh... I need a new smelling. If I could figure out how to bottle that and just sell it to people so they could spray their old car and it smelled new, I could probably be a wealthy man. Okay, here's here's one, and um, I'm not going to be gender specific on this. Do yourself a favor. Stay out of the stores. Stay off the online shopping stuff. They're all out there. I get emails daily. And stay away from catalogs. Because everything in there will tell you, you need this. Okay, fourth thing that I want to help you with so you'll be ready to give. Let me share with this, and I'm closing. Realize, realize this. I'm talking about giving. That all of your giving will be invested in eternity. Do you know that you can take that with you to heaven? What you give, what you lay at the feet, you can take to heaven. When you can invest it in what is eternal, guess what? That's the Lord's work. And you've all been given opportunity. Let's pray. Father, I praise you for your word. I praise you for the book of Proverbs. So much of your scripture that shows us how to live. Covers every, every aspect. Father, it was it's so amazing to me that so much of the heartache and disaster that happens in our society is from people who refuse to believe that this is the word of God. And yet the simple principles in here hmm, was the basis of this country. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the amazing things you're doing. Father, I thank you that you've given us the privilege to give. And yet, Father, you have put us here in this place full of wealth and plenty so that we may glorify you. Father, may we continue. Let us do it. Father, let us enjoy the riches of the bounty of this place. But Father, let us all be in a position to give liberally with a joyful heart 
unto the King of kings and Lord of lords. Christ and Christ alone. Amen.